I remember in the early days um, what it was like sometimes in the midst of worship that we really did have to have um, a spirit of patience for uh, whatever um, whatever the music or however it was that we were gathered in, um, in, in a space because we didn't have wonderful musicians like we, we do now. Um, and yet you were patient and you believed and you trusted that God could show up even if we were sometimes singing to tracks or um, someone playing a ukulele, we made it through. And uh, today we can celebrate the ways in which God has really shown up for us. I mean, it's just been so, so faithful. I want to... Um, kind of share and locate with you where we've been over the past couple of weeks here at our Southeast Raleigh table. We've been in the middle of a sermon series called Fully Alive, and we're not going to veer from that on this day when we celebrate. Our tagline is that we believe, um, or we're about that life-giving life. And basically, it, it comes from that popular phrase, I'm about that life, because the core passage of scripture for our Southeast Raleigh table is found in John chapter 10, verse 10, which talks about um, Jesus really inviting us into abundant life. Because as a church community, we recognize something about this world that we live in, that there are people around us who might uh, live a life that's manufactured, trying to make things look a particular way. I, I say sometimes it's like living a life that's like a mirage. It looks like compassion. It looks like peace. It looks like confidence. But when you really get to the heart of it, it's not. We trust that by the power and the grace of God, this, this Jesus who says, I am resurrection and life, this, this Jesus who literally embodies the fullness of life and the ways in which Jesus eats with people, the way in which Jesus sees people, the way in which Jesus heals people, the way in which Jesus loves people, and the ways in which Jesus redeems people. Jesus says, I am the fullness, I am resurrection and life. But then Jesus also says, this mirage of a life, this zombie living where you're trying to pretend or put on this life that is anchored in your own human capacity, I want to invite you into something more, that you might know what peace beyond all comprehension looks like, that you know, might know what compassion that might actually heal others looks like, that you might not just stand in confidence, but that you might know that you bear the image of the Most High God, that that is where we really come alive, where we experience the fullness of life. And this fullness of life is in the here and now. You know, sometimes we think about, oh gosh, eternal life. But in the here and now, with your everyday, ordinary days, you might understand what it is to really live fully alive. Because Jesus doesn't invite us into something that is counterfeit. Jesus invites us into something that is true. And so Jesus, who is resurrection in life, um, whenever Jesus names um, himself, it says something about who we might also become, uh, that we might also know ourselves to be fully alive. The Saint, Saint Irenaeus says this, that the glory of God is humankind fully alive. That when we are operating in this world, doing the thing that God has called us to do, being the people that God has called us to be, that is what the glory of God actually looks like. And so um, I, I wanna ask this question of us. When we think about being out in these Raleigh streets, when we think about what it's like when we are sitting at the cubicle beside our coworkers, when we're sitting on the couch at our homes, when we're hanging out at Harris Teeter or Food Lion or your favorite coffee shop, what does it look like to actually be fully alive? So I want to read a passage of scripture uh, for us just to anchor um, us, and then I'm going to uh, launch into uh, our uh, sermon for the morning. And this is what it says in John chapter 10, beginning with the seventh verse. 
So again, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So Jesus is talking about how he is really the on-ramp to life and life more abundant. And the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Or some translations would say, I came that you might have life and have it to um, the full or to the overflow. So what does it look like to be fully alive? You know what's interesting is that we're not caught off guard when people are wearing uniforms. Even when you've got adults at Disney wearing, you know, like a goofy um, costume, no one ever says, man, I don't understand why that person is wearing that goofy costume. We're not caught off guard when people are wearing uniforms. And you know why we're not caught off guard when people are wearing uniforms? Because uniforms help us to know what people actually do. Yeah. So if I see you wearing um, a particular short or top, I might know, okay, that outfit gives me an indication of what kind of job um, you, you are about in this world. I think the same thing is true about sometimes even we, not so much uniforms, but just how we dress, help um, people to know the special things that might be happening. For instance, and for those of you who like to respond back to the, the preacher, you can do so. For those who do not, you can always just pretend that, you know, you're having a beatific vision and God is coming to speak to you. But if we were all gathered in this place wearing all black, what might you uh, think is going on in this space today? A funeral. If there was someone in this space who was wearing a beautiful white gown, what might you believe might be happening in this space today? If we were all wearing the right shade of blue, what might we believe that God is doing through the university system? Okay. Too much, too much, okay. Notice I did not specify which shade of blue so that, because God is a generous God. Um. But for us at the Southeast Raleigh table, what does it look like to be dressed in life? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about literal clothing. I'm actually one of those people who doesn't like when everyone, like, you know, goes on a mission trip and they wear the same T-shirts. I'm always the person who pretends like I left my T-shirt at home. Um, oh, I'm just not the one. It's kind of like we're just saying, come and attack me. I don't know what I'm doing in, in this uh, beyond our American soil. So I'm not that person. So you understand that I'm not talking about literal clothing that I'm talking about other ways that we might, be, um, we might be known in the world. And I love um, that Jesus, in many moments in scripture, there are things that Jesus is kind of wearing, but it's not so much about, oh my gosh, how Jesus is dressed, but how Jesus um, is connected to the, to the clothing or, or to what Jesus is wearing, that people understand what Jesus is doing in the world. So that when Jesus um, in John's gospel places a towel around his waist that we know Jesus to be a servant who tells um, these disciples, you know what, I want you to think of me as your friend and I'm going to serve you in this moment. Or when um, Jesus in a, a moment of deep suffering is wearing a crown of thorns upon his head and um, being mocked and scorned, Jesus who cries out to the Father um, in pain and in anguish, and yet, even that suffering Jesus points us um, to the one that we will call the King Jesus, no other name. Or the grave clothes. I love in John's gospel that the grave clothes, uh, they are talked about in detail. 
that the clothes that wrapped up Jesus' body, that they're in one part of the tomb, and that the grave clothes that were on Jesus' head, that they are folded uh, in another part of the tomb. That Jesus conquers death and victory over the grave. That these ways that Jesus is clothed or shows up in the world helps us to know what kind of life Jesus lives. And so on our third birthday, I feel like it's important for, um, for you to know here at this community, what we sometimes say is the uniform of folks who, who believe that God wants to be at work in you and through you uh, here at our Southeast Raleigh table. Now, there are lots of core values. I'm going to talk about our core values. There are lots of core values that any church community might choose um, to hold on to. But we think that there are certain things that make this particular community distinct. There, there are certain ways that we operate in this world that people are like, ooh, that must be a surter. Oh, that person must be from the Southeast Raleigh table. You know, last week when we, when we left, we did a blessing over everyone and we said, you know, we pray that we would be the most rested people in Raleigh because people who are rested are people who are free. And you look good. <laughs> Compared to the average, you really look good. But what does it look like? And so here I want to share with you our core values. And they're all anchored in how Jesus shows up for us. The first of our core values is that we show up. Because in the first chapter of John's Gospel, and I'm going to like give you the, the um, scripture references, uh, but I won't read all of them. But in the first chapter of John's Gospel, it says that the word became flesh and blood um, and dwelt among us. I love Eugene Peterson's translation, that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That God did not have this long-distance relationship with us, but literally Jesus moved into the mess of humanity and showed us the beauty of humanity. You know what it's like when you love someone deeply. It's nice to hear their voice, but it's something different to actually be close to them. And so here at our Southeast Raleigh table, we believe that it's important for us to be dressed um, as those who show up. That when people are going through difficult seasons in their lives, that we show up. When people are rejoicing, that we show up. When something is happening at St. Augustine, we show up. When something is happening at Shaw, we show up. When something is happening in any of our lives, that we show up. That we show up when there are times of joy and also moments of lament. When we feel like we're strangers to each other or when we call each other friends. Like Mary, who's the mother of Jesus, comes to be with Elizabeth, who finds herself in an interesting situation in her life. And the way that Jesus comes to be with us, we get dressed up and showing up because maybe the world needs to see that our relationships are more than just transactions, but that our relationships are rooted in being present. Sometimes sitting on the mourner's bench, sometimes standing in praise. We're dressed in blessing. Our second uh, core value is our language is blessings. And um, in Luke chapter 24, which is the last chapter in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus lifts up his hands and he blesses his disciples. He doesn't give them an instruction manual. He doesn't put together a committee. I know, can you not believe that? But instead, Jesus lifts up his hands and he blesses the disciples. And you know what I love is that um, when Jesus is lifting up his hands to bless the disciples, the disciples bow down and they begin to worship Jesus. And I love this notion that whatever Jesus must be saying, 
causes this overwhelm. It causes this overwhelm. You know, blessings make us winsome. People who are grumpy to grump, grump, grumps and never have a kind thing to say or always trying to cut you off, those are sometimes individuals that can be very difficult to find yourself in their presence. And I'm not saying that we all have to be overly jubilant or we all have to have, you know, uh, be incessant talkers. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But Jesus blesses, basically offering words that build up and not tear down. And so here at our Southeast Raleigh table, we tell you to bless your barista. I mean, sometimes when people are having a hard day foaming up your milk, offer a word of the way you foam that milk. Mmm. Frothy, you know. <laughs> that in a world where I can barely read Instagram um, comments, where I sometimes seem to paint the woundedness of humanity coming out in 140 or less characters. Sometimes for us just to offer a word of blessing or, or a measured word can be a powerful thing in that moment. To write a letter to someone who cannot see themselves rightly, but you to say, I see you with kingdom eyes. Sometimes I think that we bless the oppression and the hate right out of some people. We bless the despair into joy, that where the empire curses, that the kingdom comes to bless. And so maybe the world needs to see us dressed in blessings. Our third is that we disarm with beauty. In uh, John's gospel, again, actually in the 14th verse of uh, uh, chapter one. It says that we have seen the glory of the Father, basically meaning that we have uh, seen Jesus with our own eyes. And obviously, John was talking about a particular context that there were truly individuals who got to see God in all of God's fullness through Christ Jesus. I like to say that we, we also get to see Jesus in our hearts or through our hearts, because as we see one another living and breathing and operating on behalf of this one who is resurrection in life, we do see Jesus in this world. We got to see the glory of the Most High God. Now, this is the beautiful thing about um, this particular passage, what John is trying to say. There is a moment um, when Moses, who is this faithful kind of follower of, of God, who um, he, he asks to see God's face. And basically, God says to Moses, Moses, if you see my face, you, you will die. Like, you, you know. And so um, uh, God makes provision for Moses and hides him in the cleft of the rock and shows the, the backside. Like, he's like, you know, God passes over and Moses gets to kind of see the back. John's trying to say, but we got to see God's face, you know. We got to see God's face. That's this, you know, we, we, we got to see the, the fullness of God. And instead of dying, we actually get life from that. Um, you know, when, when people want to rob others of a good gift, they will choose to rob them of beauty. I mean, you know, if you are, if you are putting together a party and you have, you know, I don't know, cupcakes or cookies or something that you want to be symmetrical, and there's, you know, one of the cupcakes where you accidentally, you know, nicked the, um, the icing, what do you do? You decide you're going to eat that one in the kitchen so that you can give your guests the ones that look the best. Small little comparison. 
Or for instance, I have a gift that I'm going to give someone. I actually have um, two versions of it, and, and one looks better than the other, and I feel like, oh, I, uh, I deserve to give the nicer one away. But sometimes um, this world will choose to say that there are certain people who can never get the beautiful gift, and instead, um, in the kitchen, will eat the pretty cupcakes and give others the things that are like torn and broken. But we've seen the glory, the beauty. And so we believe that um, in places where it might be easy to rob others, that we might offer some beauty in the world, real flowers, lime and lemons floating in water, trying to, in a visual way, say that even in the midst of things that might seem broken or unsettled, there can still be something beautiful. Sam Wells, who was once the dean of Duke Chapel, said this, if, if it can't be happy, make it beautiful. And I think that um, that might be the way that we can live, that we can make things beautiful. The fourth is that we pray, that we be dressed in, in, in prayer. You know, Jesus and Jesus' infinite wisdom also takes time away to pray. It's like intimacy with, um, with the triune God, of being reminded of focus, of being renewed in moments of being tired, of believing in breakthroughs. I mean, literally praying to God the Father in front of the tomb where Lazarus, his friend, laid. Jesus prays, and so we are also invited into prayer. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that prayer reminds us that we don't have to do it all on our own. So prayer isn't about us trying to manipulate God to do something where we're like, you know, shooting up darts to God and then God shoots down darts to the situation. But instead, our prayer is us saying, God, I may not be able to fix this thing or I may not know what to do with this thing or even my celebration feels um, so overwhelming that I, it needs to be shared. Believing and trusting that God is already working that God is already up to something. It's our way of, uh, of maybe uh, thinking about how we co-labor with God, that God hears and God acts, and that God acts through us. So we don't think of prayer as being passive, but our way of resistance of believing that God is powerful and God is still moving. There was a young man by the name of Akiel Dinkins who lived in South Park who was killed by a police officer. It was actually the first year that we had gathered as a, as a community. And it was just a sad situation. Like, what do you say to his mother? What do you say to his community? What do you say to people who feel triggered? So we just showed up in a parking lot about a couple of blocks from where he was shot, and we prayed. We prayed. We prayed for Akiel Dinkins, we prayed for his mother, we prayed for his children, we prayed for his family members, we even prayed for the police officer, we prayed for the neighbors, we prayed for the community. We prayed because we didn't know how to fix the situation, but we recognized that God is already at work. That sometimes just to show up and to say, okay, we are here in this place and maybe God might say, ah, uh, the answer to this prayer is that you are going to actually be the answer to the prayer. But we pray. And this is the last of our uh, core values, how we are dressed in the world, is that we think big. As a small person, I like this one, <laughs> that we think big. Also in John's Gospel, Jesus says this to his disciples, greater things you're going to do in my name. Oh, I just love that, you know? Greater things you're going to do in my name. And by greater, not necessarily meaning more like multiples, but like dynamic things you're going to do in my name. 
And Jesus did some pretty phenomenal things. But looks at us and says, there is a power within you, which is the power of God, that can be also be released through you so that you might do things that are so like God-sized. This power where we can look in the face of death and proclaim life, weeping and proclaim rejoicing, hopelessness, and proclaim dancing, that this power is at work within you, which means you can do big things in this world. I will never forget, this was about three years ago, sitting in a workshop and this gentleman was talking about, oh, people who do kingdom things, who, you know, who believe that you know, God is at work, there's all this power in you. And something just told me right down on a sheet of paper that at the Southeast Raleigh table, we are going to be statistic shifters. That the things we do will really shift statistics. That if Jesus has said to us, you will do great things in my name, will we actually believe it? And to actually believe it is to engage the things that seem a little bit overwhelming, believing that God is at work in us and God is at work through us. That in the midst of the devastation in the Bahamas, how might God work in us and through us? For those who are incarcerated, how might God work in us and through us? In the midst of all that is not affordable housing and people who are being displaced, how might God work in and also through us? How is it that we will do greater things in God's name. Just maybe the world needs to see a group of people who believe in the power that's within them. This is our uniform. This is how we're dressed. There are a lot of things that we could say as a community we want to hold on to, but for right now, this is where we land. That friends, when you go out into the world, that you, um, you show up for others. That you are people who bless others. That you want to disarm with beauty. That you pray. That you think big. This is how people might know that God is at work in and through us. Every year during our um, birthday celebrations, we almost always have a photographer. We take pictures of ourselves. Not this year. Not this year. This year we're not taking pictures. This year we're going to show off in the world. I don't want us to be etched on an Instagram timeline. I want the way that we love people to be etched on their hearts. So this is what we're going to do. You who are looking for a uniform. This year after our worship service, in this back area, kind of where we have um, Uh, our snacks, there are all five of our core values. And in front of one of the, of each of the core values, there's some cards. And we're inviting you out of all of those cards just to take three. How many just take three? mm -hmm, Just take three. (laughs) Just take three cards. And on those three cards, they'll say things like, oh, to pray for the incoming freshmen at St. Augustine's because we believe in the power of prayer. So you're going to, you're going to decide to do that. One of them is to write um, a letter to the, uh, the principal at the new Southeast Raleigh Elementary School. Yes. 
What we're about is not about us gazing at one another saying, oh, you look so lovely here in this place. I think God wants to see how lovely we look beyond this place. Yeah. I want you to, um, I want you to move through the world distinct. So here's going to be our prayer as we end um, our time together. I'm going to say one of our core values, and then I want you to just respond to me by the grace of God. Okay? God, help us to show up by the grace of God. God, help us to bless by the grace of God. God, help us to disarm with beauty by the grace of God. God, help us to lean into prayer by the grace of God. God, help us to think and to live big by the grace of God. May it be so that this uniform that you wear might make you distinct in this world, that they might know that you're dressed like Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>